Breathable. Mm, mm. Really nice for the summertime. High tech fibers, you know. Yeah, I don't have that. And I don't eat meat, so no vorsch braying. You could still braai the vorsch. <laughs> I guess, but it's a little bit hypocritical. It would be. It would be. To braai the vorsch and not eat it. Just braai it and throw it away. Just to prove a point. I'm not sure what the point would be. <laughs> okay, hello. My name is Louis. My name is Fraser. And welcome. To be, be positive. positive, the podcast where we talk shit for a little while. Yeah, this is the podcast where we where we talk about movies, specifically B movies. Although B movie is kind of a difficult designation these days because, like, that comes from being on the B roll or or the B side of an A movie, and yeah. you know, production doesn't really work that way anymore. So B films, and then like exploitation films, and then I guess. Direct to video films. Yeah, then made for TV mm-hmm. also. And now there are channels built on on making subpar films. Do they then still count as quote unquote B? Because they're still a part of that lineage, I guess, but... Yeah, but they're not... You know, what is the deciding factor? We've spoken about this many times. I think a B-movie is something that you feel in your heart more than... Mm. More than there's some, you know, part of it that defines it as a B-film. Okay, yeah. Well, today's movie has a lot of heart. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true, but it, it is a good segue. Uh, what movie are we doing today? We're doing Green Day's Basket Case. Yes, the classic 90s Green Day music video, Basket Case. Yeah. No, actually, we're doing 1982's Basket Case by Frank Henenlotter. Ever heard of it? <laughs> uh, which is a great name. Yeah, it is a pretty good name. And it was tough. Every time I searched for it, uh did a bit of a Google. I came upon Green Day. Yeah. You would. Not what I was looking for, but I guess that's how time works. Yeah, I don't know if it has much of a cult following, but it is still one of the more known B-films from from the 80s, I think. Yeah, it was pretty original. It is a pretty original take on, on horror. Yeah, that's for sure. Because our protagonist, or protagonists... Are Dwayne Bradley and his Siamese lump brother, Billy Al. (laughs) Belial! He's literally like, I I couldn't stop thinking of that Metalocalypse episode with Quado. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that episode was inspired by Basket Case because (laughs) it looks the same. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Imagine a sack of potatoes that has lain in the sun for months. These Mm -hmm. potatoes also happen to be plastic potatoes, and they melted into a lump and absorbed the sack. Then someone shoves their face in there, gets their head chopped off, and the face sort of melts into the potato lump. That's Belial. (laughs) 
That's right. Uh, all you need then, uh, two stubby arms. With massive hands. And a lust for murder. And massive hands, yeah. Those hands are disproportionate and they change size as well. Like, when you only see the hand, it's big. When you see Belial, yeah. it's tiny little claw hands. Yeah, he must be uh, kind of elastic, I guess. I don't know how much bone he has. You could see ribs. At one one section of him has got some ribs poking. <laughs> really? Yeah, like on his back, they keep yeah. showing it. You oh. see some ribs. I'm like, those ribs are in the wrong oh, place. Yeah. Yucky. Man, I was just caught up with the with an awful mess of like scar tissue and. Yeah, here's something I wanted to know about Blau, and I'm glad I've got you here because I need to know. And also, listeners at home, if you have any idea and you can answer this question, let me know because it's burning in my head. How does Belial poop? <gasps> right. He's flat on the bottom. Yeah, he has like almost no organs. He's got this like wheezing breath that you don't hear through the basket, but you hear every other time you see him. And that's probably due to his deformed tiny lungs. But then he does have organs and he does eat raw meat. He just eats raw meat. And hamburgers. And hamburgers. And what happens to what happens to the trash? To the poo-poo doo-doo. That's um you know what, Fraser, that's what I love about you. You're always asking the most important questions. I think that's why he's so angry, is because he can't poop. He's backed up the little guy. Because he hasn't he hasn't pooped his entire life. Yeah, and he's at least in his twenties. Did you hear about that? guy who he didn't poop for something close on like 15 years yeah they had to surgically remove his like blockage yeah because it turned to stone right yeah like it was like kilograms he looked like a pregnant person that is very unfortunate for him but kind of hilarious i know he should have just gotten a, a bruklax yeah just take a bruklax when, when this when this whole thing started yeah when i was a kid there was this bottle of uh it looked like liquor in my parents friend's house and it was called timyan and there was alcohol yeah. in it but it was also a laxative and the one night my friends and i oh, no. stole the bottle and we were like we're gonna get <laughs> drunk and um <laughs> let's just say there weren't enough toilets in the house <laughs> But did you get drunk? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was a good time. Uh, we like to party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my kind of party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's let's jump into this. Yeah. Let's. Uh, will you do a little bit of a synopsis for us? Absolutes. Okay. So Dwayne and his bro Belial, Belial, I guess. I don't know. We we only see this uh, a little later in the film, and we'll talk about it in more detail. But uh, chronologically, the first thing that happens is he is born with his Siamese brother, right? So Dwayne is a is a, like mostly biologically quote unquote normal, uh, with Belial kind of growing out of his side, and for some reason they leave that when the child is born and wait until he's twelve to get a vet in <laughs> to do the surgery. Yeah, man, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, this vet, Dr. Cutter, and her Dr. BFFs, Dr. Needleman, and Dr. Liffman? I don't know. I just, okay. I got stuck on Cutter and Needleman as the perfect names. Cause yeah, Needleman. Cause they sound like. Needleman is the anesthetist, and Cutter is the actual, you know, Cutter. Yeah, they sound like, you know, th- like insults that Christian scientists use against doctors. You know, you damn needle man! You're just a cutter! You just make them vaccines and put them inside of my child. Make my, make my baby dumb. <laughs> okay, so Dwayne and Billy all go through the surgery. 
which I'm not very happy about. Uh, and they just kind of chuck Belial in the trash. Yeah, yeah, they literally. Uh, but Dwayne rescues him. And so then, like 20 years later, they're in New York and they're gonna go on a revenge spree to kill these doctors that so mercilessly separated them. Yeah, they're real miffed about the fact that they've been split up. Yeah, that's something we can spend quite a lot of time on when when we get into the discussion. This episode was brought to you by anal glands. Anal glands, it's our little secretion. Yeah, they arrive at a seedy hotel and they start, uh, you know, picking off the doctors one by one. But of course, a spanner gets thrown into the works when Dwayne falls in love with a girl and their, I guess their goals and their desires begin to divert from each other. Uh, and this ends with Belial killing the girl and then Dwayne and Belial having a weird little struggle and falling out of a window and dying. Yay! Uh, that's the basic plot. Yeah, I felt the movie had a very neat little wrap-up ending, yeah. which is completely spoiled by the sequels. Oh, uh, yeah, they bring them back to life, I guess. Yeah, 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 they just don't die in the first place. And that, yeah, you know, that kind of ruins it because they they kind of have to die at the end. Yeah, it's the only way that it makes sense. Have you seen any of the sequels? No, this is my first foray into the basket case-averse. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say right now it's probably going to be my last as well. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, if the podcast lasts long enough, you'll be forced to do it. I mean, eventually, once we've done every single independent exploitation directed dvd directed cable video then yes we probably will get around to yeah it. so we'll swing swing right back <laughs> all right so first of all there is some clear psychological damage to both Dwayne and belial as in they're forced into the surgery it's not voluntary it is super dodge their dad he hates belial he feels like belial is not his son he's just attached to his son that's why Belial ends up in the trash. Uh, he's also resentful of them for murdering his wife during childbirth. Yeah. What I felt, right? And this is a theory I watched the movie with and I felt very compelled and I felt it just improved the thing is that Belial is actually a figment of, uh, Dwayne's imagination. He's a, oh. a psychic construct, if you will. Uh, where Dwayne, ridden with guilt for the death of his mother and his father blaming him for the death of his mother, Dwayne creates this alter ego of Belial in his mind. Or he was, in fact, a Siamese twin. He gets Belial removed, or his father gets Belial removed. He blames himself for the death of his brother, who he may have felt it was his uh, responsibility to keep Belial alive. It was attached to him. And this leads him to hear the voice of Belial. Because we can't understand Belial throughout the whole film. Belial only communicates psychically or telepathically with Dwayne. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he's actually capable of speech at all. Oh, you meant the fact that he um, screams constantly? Yeah, and really very loudly. Hey, instead of a sponsor today, I just want to have a chat with sound designers right now. Guys, why is the fucking action and the screaming always like 300% louder than anything else? Could you fucking stop, maybe? Just like 
man, just equalize that shit. I don't want to be turning my volume up and down throughout the entire film. Thank you. That's that's all I had to say about that. This message brought to you by Louis Indignation. But anyway, so yeah, I think that theory makes sense because I really saw in Dwayne a Norman Bates kind of spiritual successor. Yeah, big time. Yeah, that in in the sense that you have this really like normal salt of the earth country bumpkin guy who then has this you know this this desire that comes from a some terrible psychological trauma that he then kind of exacts on the world yeah and also i felt that the psycho theme coming through strongly with Dwayne's aunt who after Dwayne mm. uh spoilers murders his dad he is taken in by his aunt she protects him and she raises him all while knowing that he's a little murderous little shit. Yeah, man, that was... I mean, this scene where we get the flashback to to his uh, childhood, it only comes much later in the film, but it really sets up a lot of the character stuff. Yeah. For instance, something that I found quite interesting was how in the murder of their father, Dwayne and Belial are incredibly creative. Oh, yeah. They set up this uh, trap with a bunch of spinning blades... And they completely bisect their dad. And that kind of creativity for me is is conspicuously missing in their other murders. Where I think Dwayne or the Dwayne side of this equation had more of a say in that initial murder of the father. And that the others are more this dark, purely violent force of, of Belial. Yeah, you could say that the first murder was revenge and the subsequent murders were just pure animalistic bloodlust. It's still revenge, but it's been simmering for such a long time and he's had such a long time to think of how he's going to kill them that he ends up just ripping them apart. Absolutely. And in, in the end, they are reunited, but in death. Yeah. And that could also be Dwayne's struggle with... Uh, his dark side and this leading to his suicide by jumping yeah also another very interesting thing is after the second murder of dr cutter well the first murder of dr cutter but the second murder that belial actually commits uh where he shoves isn't it isn't it the third murder because they killed dr liffman oh yeah right at the beginning they killed dr liffman yeah right at the the man that couldn't shoot straight the the paperwork and the yeah, so the third murder when they killed Dr. Cutter, although I don't actually think she's dead because she is still very much alive, just with a scalpel stuck in her face. Yep. Following that murder, Dwayne sees Sharon, the receptionist of Dr. Needleman that he has fallen in love with. They start making out, mm-hmm. get to some heavy petting, and then Belial psychically intrudes on Dwayne. And he get, has this little freak out where he's pinning her to the bed. She gets freaked out and runs away. Now, here, what I think happened is that having just performed a murder, right, Dwayne is still in that mm-hmm. Belial persona. Now he's with Sharon. His sexual urges get confused with his murderous urges. Yeah. And he, he ends up with um, the compulsion to murder Sharon, to murder and rape her. So psychological terms, it makes sense that having decided he has this monstrous alter ego, he would then project 
that hatred onto something that he has strong, passionate feelings for. You're someone yeah. who gets his blood moving. I definitely think, you know, that's my main insight or takeaway from the film is, is definitely around those themes of masculinity and violence and gender anxiety. Because I think uh, the film is about desire for me. And there's actually a clip I'd like you to, to put in. Uh, my, my good friend, Slavoj Žižek. In his reading of Lacan, he points out that you never really desire what you desire. If there is a point in psychoanalysis, it is that people do not really want or desire happiness. And I think it's good that it is like that. And also, we don't really want to get what we think that we want. The classical story that I like, the traditional May chauvinist scenario. I am married to a wife, relations with her are cold, and I have a mistress. And all the time I dream, oh my God, if my wife were to disappear, drop me, it would open up new life for me with the mistress. You know what every psychoanalyst will tell you quite often happens? That then, for some reason, wife goes away, you lose the mistress also. You thought, this is all I want, when you have it there, you turn out that it was a much more complex situation where what you want is not really to live with the mistress, but to keep her as a distance, as an object of desire about which you dream. And this is not just an excessive situation. I claim that this is how things function. We don't really want what we think we desire. We tend to think of desire as in you see something you see something and then that thing creates a desire in you for that thing. But really desire is a kind of an aimless force that you have and you kind of pin it onto things. So that when you finally achieve what you thought your desire was, you realize that, oh no, that actually didn't fill the hole. That didn't state my desire at all. Now there's a new thing. Now I need to find a new thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of the film revolves around that. For instance, Belial's eating, right? He's constantly hungry. He eats like fucking 20 burgers, but he's never satisfied. Yeah. For instance. Or when he tries to like make the moves on Casey, he's so frustrated with his own impotence because he doesn't have a, you know, a penis mm -hmm. that he has to destroy that object of his desire. So there's definitely the sense of wanting something, but not being able physically or emotionally in Dwayne's case to get it. But it's, it's not just because they are incapable. It is the nature of desire. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's also interesting that you say that because a lot of uh, serial killers, the reason why they kill is it's the only way that they can uh, experience an erection or sexual arousal. Yeah. Especially in, in cases where they are impotent, as Belial most certainly is, it's the only way they experience that sort of physical rush. Yeah, definitely. So I think maybe Belial is the one... The normal way of thinking of it would be that Dwayne has a monster growing on him, but maybe Belial is the the protagonist and Dwayne was cut off from Belial in a sort of like, almost like a full body castration. Yeah. Because obviously Dwayne has, has the only working penis between the two of them. And Dwayne is most certainly the weaker of the two. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So Belial could end up being resentful of Dwayne being a whole man and him being mm. relegated to his disgusting little potato body. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I think he murders or tries to murder Casey because he could see that Dwayne and Casey were forming a bond. And I think he also tries to rape and kill Sharon, Sharon. also because of that jealousy. Um, yeah. Dwayne says that the whole revenge plan is Belial's. It's his plan all the way, right? So that's kind of Belial's way of making sure he keeps Dwayne as a like as a subservient body part in a sense yeah because he needs Dwayne to get around and to experience life he can't he has the psychic connection to Dwayne so if Dwayne goes out drinking Belial experiences that but if Dwayne gives up and leaves Belial maybe there is a some sort of maximum distance to that link yeah. so he would lose his only way of experiencing, you know, the human experience. Yeah. He can't even yeah. talk. And, and Belial can't, like... Well, he can get around on his own, I guess. Which is odd. But it rips up his bottom bit. Is that what that yeah, was? Yeah, I think that's what that was. Uh, because there's this part... Now, when he's raping Sharon, even though he doesn't have the parts, it's still... I consider that scene a rape yeah. scene. Like, his whole bottom part is covered in blood. And I was like, is that blood from Sharon? Where? Uh, why is this happening? What is going yeah, it's on? Because he's sitting on her crotch. And her crotch is also full of blood. But Yeah, I, I think but it would him. make sense him having traveled. Because he traveled over asphalt, clearly, to get yeah, there. Well, yeah, because geographically he crossed, like, the entire New York City on his stump. Which is odd. I, let's talk about... Belial's locomotion mm -hmm. for a second. So it was partially done via puppet, partially done via rushed stop motion animation, <laughs> but he has no legs. His arms can't really reach the ground. So he's not like, you know, humping his way over on his arms. He somehow manages to rock himself back and forth and that creates a little bit of a forward locomotion. He, I think he kind of scoots. How? He has no abdomen. He like he he pulls himself with his arms like a like that's so gross. A, a medieval legless beggar in a in a cart, but he doesn't have a cart. He should have gotten a, a cart. He should have done that. Yeah, why does he have a basket, not a cart? Yeah, that's actually silly. Dwayne is not a good caretaker. Uh, Dwayne is man, shame. He's he's like uneducated. He's socially maladapted. Yeah, he, he just doesn't. But no also, idea. I think Dwayne, to some extent, also feels that he needs Belial. Yeah. Because he keeps him in the basket. He doesn't expose him to the outside world. Even though the only reaction people have to seeing Belial is abject terror. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get not exposing him to people, but he could be normalized in like a small town. People would, they would accept him. He could him. be like, in Ripley's Believe It or Not and like do the freak show circuit. He would be popular in Believe It or Not. <laughs> yeah. I think he needs Belial to kind of orient his desire because he, he never really knew what to want. And that's why I think his and Belial's relationship goes south once Dwayne discovers that what he really wants is not a murder spree, but just like... A girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because in the psychosexual theory, mm -hmm. you have Eros, which is the life desire, and Thanatos, which is the death desire. 
And those two are very closely linked. And yeah. I think in Dwayne, uh, he's got some wires crossed. Definitely. The drive and the death drive are essentially the same thing. Yeah. Just like trying to reach an, an equilibrium. And the ultimate equilibrium, of course, is death. Yeah. So I would say that if Dwayne and Belial were the same person, Dwayne is the life drive and Belial is clearly the death drive. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know if they've really thought this through because even if they kill all the doctors even, even though they do kill all the doctors except maybe cutter except maybe cutter i think they're implying that she dies but i also don't see how she would it looks really painful though face full of scalpels yeah but she is screaming with quite a bit of vigor yeah yeah i'm sure she just passes out there yeah that's not gonna make them whole again the damage has been done they are separated yeah they'll never go back to being one whole yeah. as they saw it so yeah that's exactly the only possible ending of that story is their death because Dwayne will never be able to live a normal life and at the same time he will never be able to let go of Belial which might have given him a normal life yeah and Belial can't do shit without Dwayne yeah that's a really bad relationship it is they are codependent definitely <laughs> definitely Belial is totally toxic. <laughs> yeah, Belial is, is a bit of a toxic influence. Here's a bit of trivia for you that this film was shot on location in New York, mostly without permits, yeah. and filmed super quick. How how long uh, was the shooting? Damn, I can't find it. Well, either way, definitely not like a, an Avatar shoot length. Yeah, no. I think I read somewhere like a week. That is but, Very yeah, and they had a budget of $35,000. And in the scene where Dwayne walks into the hotel and pays in advance for his room, yeah. uh, the wad of cash that Dwayne actually hands to the hotel was owner. That their budget. That was the literal budget <laughs> for this film. That's awesome. I, I like hearing that. Apparently, it's a, quite a famous bit of trivia, but I don't oh, know. Interesting. Man, I really love the look of of that early 80s New York, how fucking awful it is. Man. There was no set dressing. This was literally early 80s New York. It's so seedy and, like, it works perfectly to create that idea of these kind of red neon desires, you know, this awful, destructive place. Yeah. But also with a lot of community you know when you are a part of that community the denizens of the hotel really stick together for example in the scene where belial loses his shit and throws his little temper tantrum uh and wrecks his hotel room that whole community is out in front of that door freaking out going like oh what's going on is there an animal is everyone okay even though the one guy is a little bit of a greedy dick, uh, he's there too. Everyone is interested. Everyone is looking out for each yeah. other. And that's something that in modern day times you don't see anymore. Yeah. And that's definitely something that Dwayne perhaps desires, but will never be able to join in. I think he really wants a family. He wants to experience a sense of community. And ever since he was a little boy... He didn't have that. He had Belial. Yeah. And he was ostracized as a freak because of Belial. And then when he was separated from Belial, Belial became 
his sole focus, the only thing in his life that mattered. He needed to protect Belial and to keep him safe. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, when he sees that that life has much more to offer, that relationship becomes strained. In the scene where Dwayne passes out and Belial goes after Sharon, Mm -hmm. we're treated to this odd dream sequence of Dwayne running naked through the streets of New York. Yeah, um, the only full frontal nudity in the film, and it's it's a it's a floppy dick. It's a floppy dick, and that's cool. I mean, yeah, definitely not. You see enough female nudity. Yeah, it's definitely like not the the full frontal nudity you expect from an eighties B horror. Yeah. Doing full frontal nudity is hard for everyone. So good on you, little man. Yeah, so that dream sequence, is that his, like, psychic connection, right? Like, it's actually Belial traveling through the streets. Yeah, it's suggestive of Belial traveling through the streets. And it also shows you, it would show you the way that Belial actually views himself as Dwayne's twin. Not as some deformed lumpy space monster they should have just fucking killed that thing (laughs) how did they tried cut off this like half formed person of that 12 year old boy and just throw it in the trash like surely there must be some i would have thought there was some sort of cremation yeah or just at least like a biohazard bin i guess you can't expect much from a veterinarian who's willing to do this kind of surgery on a house call but still in a dining room dining room it's not very hygienic that's where people eat (laughs) yeah that's probably what the dad was going for is like "Mm, i'm gonna think of this later but also another interpretation of that dream could be that Dwayne was in fact the prowler going after Sharon and that scene indicates his eros his life desire driving him to Sharon you know when he gets there it's his death drive that takes over and he strangles her yeah absolutely it's kind of again that thing where he cannot you know fulfill his his wants there and then in the face of that kind of emasculating feeling and that like i guess gender anxiety and anxiety around masculinity he turns to murder he's been murdering for a while so it's not a big turn for him anyway although that is the first murder in which he doesn't like completely rip up the body of the of the victim yeah it is a much less graphic murder and If you think about it in terms of a serial killer, the other murders were process murders where it is about the actual murder and the the method of murder. And this murder was a product murder where it's about getting access to a corpse. Yeah, so you've been listening to some... Last podcast on the left, huh? In fact, my whole setup here uh, in my little blanket fort being naked and sweaty, I take inspiration for that from Henry Zabrowski of Last Podcast on the Left. <laughs> uh, do you have like a little a little shrine dedicated to him? Yes. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, maybe not good, but... I- I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, you can't. I'm in a different continent. Yeah, Henry Zabrowski is going to have to get a really big restraining order to get you away. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go to Mars. Like an international restraining order. It'll be a whole diplomatic thing. Ooh, would it create an incident between uh, the, the states and the People's Republic? Maybe this is how the world ends. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Henry. I'm going to have to take the shrine down. <laughs> No, you don't have to. No, leave it up. Leave it up. It's fine. 
Okay, do we want to talk about uh, the old DNB, or do we want to move on to maybe some of the other characters? Yeah, let's move on. Cool. So let's talk about Sharon. Sharon. What is wrong with her? You know what? I actually don't know, because Sharon... The first time she sees Dwayne and he shows up with his basket to the doctor's office where she works, she assumes he's the typewriter repair mm-hmm. guy. But what kind of a repairman, woman, repair person uh, carries their tools around in a basket? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And then, uh, you know, she's still not suspicious about it after he takes the basket into the uh, doctor's room. and And she falls in love with him and... As she keeps saying, she says this over and over and over again, she says she doesn't know why. And I kind of, I also don't know why, you know? Yeah, I think it may have been a flick of the director's wrist. Yeah. But what it could be is that he's got something wrong with him, clearly. (laughs) Clearly. He's a little bit insane. He's murdering people. His hair is, he's got too much floof up there. And there might be something oddly compelling in in his eyes and there might be some part of her that confuses that cold emotionless death in, inside of him as some kind of strength or some kind of desirable yeah. attribute you know maybe she thinks he's suave yeah maybe she thinks he's a little bit of a lost puppy or you know she could have a hero complex where she sees him as this pathetic little weirdo and she's gonna save him louis that's interesting but i mean whatever the case may be she is also clearly unaware of her own motivations which i think you know makes a good contrast to the bradley bros where their desire is at least first very clearly defined and she's more you know opaque to herself which is which is i think a little more relatable to us non-Siamese, non-serial killers. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that contact with her opaqueness really does end up affecting Dwayne in terms of making his goals a little bit less clear and a little bit less focused. Yeah, it's almost like she's kind of, for the first time, introducing ambiguity to Dwayne's life. Yeah, and boy, does it fuck him up. Yeah, oh boy. That is actually, I mean, I I quite like the conclusion we came to there, that she is ambiguity personified in the film and shows Dwayne that there are different ways of thinking and more more variables to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like Sharon. She reminds me quite a bit of Annie Hall from Woody Allen's. This episode brought to you by Needleman and Cutter, the doctors who come to you. Need an appendix removed at home? Looking to sell the organs of the dead homeless man in your basement? Now you can, for less than ever. Needleman and Cutter are offering you, the audience of Be Positive, this once-in-a-lifetime deal. Enter the promo code POSITIVE on needlecuts.com. That's needlecuts with a K for a 60% discount on your first Question-free surgery. The first cut is the deepest. She has that same kind of, like, quirky awkwardness, I think. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that kind of character transposed out of the rom-com world and into this absolute fucking nightmare. Yeah, it goes from being a quirky, fun character to being a tragic heroine. Yeah. 
And what about what about uh, Casey? Casey, the only friend Dwayne has ever had. Man, that's sad. She's very much driven to help Dwayne and to sort of you know help socialize him into the modern world, um. where she wants to go f- out for a drink with him, not in a sexual way. It seems, at least, it's more of a she's found this lost puppy and she's gonna try and help him out. Yeah, I think we see that most clearly in the scene where they do go for drinks. Or, well, she kind of bumps into him at a place and he's drunk off his mind. And we see them really connect and he tells her the truth about his situation. Though, of course, she she doesn't believe him. Yeah, why would she? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we kind of finally see Dwayne kind of opening up a little bit, you know, under the influence and everything. But, of course... That very self-same night, Belial makes his attack on Casey. Yeah. And again, she's just someone who, you know, has no part in this whole awful traumatic story. She's just like a normal, poorish person trying to trying to make it in New York City in the 80s. Yeah, she's just doing her best and she's trying to help the people around her in the process. Yeah, and of course, Belial can, cannot allow anyone to help Dwayne, right? Because if, if Dwayne were to really get help, he would have to get rid of, of Belial. Essentially, Belial is Dwayne's major malfunction. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's pretty much all I had to say about this film. Any any last comments from your side? I read a critic who uh, pointed out that the, the boy, the bro's wounds are kind of vaginal. Oh, yeah? Which I think, I mean, I don't necessarily necessarily agree definitely on Dwayne I guess you could say it has a sort of vaginal shape but that sense of emasculation I think runs through the film and of course Dr. Cutter herself is an an extremely emasculating female figure but she's also the most uh, like no nonsense one you know she she correctly identifies Dwayne as the freak in this equation yeah Right. He's the one who gave up Chance at a normal life. Yeah, to support and love his demonic, lumpy brother. And I mean, I'm kind of on Dr. Cutter's side. Yeah, even though she's a dodgy surgeon, at least she's not murdering people. Yeah. And I'm, as she says, her, her motivation was to help Dwayne. It's just a shame he didn't want that help. Had he not been forced into it and gassed to pacify him. and What's really crazy to me is that they anesthetize Belial, but not Dwayne. <laughs> Like, they've already started the surgery before he goes under. It just shows you that Needleman is not a good anesthetist. And and I think, you know, it also goes to show the importance of a regulated medical industry. Yeah, big time. So, Louis. Yes. If you had to rate this film out of the number of doctors it would take to surgically remove this movie from your psyche, how many doctors would it take? (laughs) It's such a weird metric. Uh, I'd say at least one horse surgeon and the ghost of Dr. Freud. Okay. See, that doesn't make any sense as a rating. But that's that's my final stance. Yeah, I love it. I would say it would take one Dr. Chris Barnard, the guy who did the first heart transplant, and one Dr. House in a Valium coma. <laughs> Okay, so also pretty good. Yeah. Good. Is that good? I don't know. Um, uh, 
I love it. All right. That was That's great. That's us. Yeah, that was our take on Basket Case and Boy. What, what a movie. movie. Oh, we did it. We did what? We said that simultaneously. Really? We did. Whoa. That's badass. That's badass. I look forward to editing that shit. We've reached podcast mind meld. Soon, I'm just going to be screaming and you're going to be picking up my telepathic commands. Yes, carrying you around in a very large basket. Yeah. If I fits, I sits. Folks, if you want to join our hive mind, subscribe, like us on Facebook, send us suggestions, send us your comments, send us your complaints, your angry letters. Uh, send us your used underwear. Just send us anything. Send us your erotic fanfiction. Please don't do that. Also, uh, you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcasting apps. If you don't have a favorite podcasting app, you can check us out on our website. Uh, the latest episode is always up there. And you can listen to it for free on the website. Unfortunately, to get access to the rest of the episodes... You'll have to follow the iTunes link or the Stitcher link provided on the Be Positive page of Canis Radio. Yeah, guys, please do check it out and just, you know, just hit us up if you'd like to. Yeah, comment on the Facebook page, tweet at me at Fraser Chonji. Uh, do not tweet at me. Or drop us an email. Yeah, don't tweet at Louis. That's, that's number one rule of Be Positive. Don't, don't <laughs> fucking tweet at me. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> I guess you stay scary. Uh, t- uh, uh, the streets are spooky tonight. They sure are. Did you know there's a typhoon in China at the moment? Shit. Music for today's episode provided by Heinous Bienfang and his cheap moves. Check them out. I don't know where.